Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 50 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. My guest today is a longtime footy fan from the United States. He's also a fan that has worked very hard over the years to bring this great game of footy to more and more North Americans. I'd like to welcome Rob DeSantos of the Australian Football Association of North America, or AFANA, to the show. Welcome, sir. Good afternoon. I'm thrilled to have you here. Glad you're uh, glad we're able to to coordinate and uh, and meet up. We had some issues that we ran into uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm so glad that you're able to be here. I uh, won't dig into that, but I'm glad that glad that it was able to fit into your schedule, and so thrilled to be talking to you. This well, I'm is real pleased to be here with you, and uh, um, hopefully we can continue to spread the good word. Absolutely, this is you know I I've, I've fallen in love with this game, and it it takes up way more than way more of my time than my wife would like me to have it taking up, quite frankly. <laughs> so I've been over your website, and, and you know we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. But it's uh, how did you end up becoming a footy fan? I was going to college. Roommate was going to college. We were working. In the, we were going to school in the day and working in the evenings, and he. Uh, he was a bit of an electronics whiz and got a hold of a of a uh, TV and and we so we got it we we got a TV and we signed up for this new fancy thing called cable <laughs> uh, and we got this channel called ESPN and uh, one night we both came home from work and we opened a couple of beers and we were flipping through you know th- this wonderful thing because we now had twenty channels of TV instead of three yes and uh kids will never understand that and we and we came across <laughs> and we came across this strange game they were playing and uh and and we and it's you know pretty interesting these guys don't wear pads and they you know they're they're you know they they uh they kick the ball up and down the field and, you know of course at first we had no idea what was going on there um, but we, we thought it's interesting and we started to watch and that pretty much was the start and I followed it off and on for oh over a decade before uh, before this thing the internet came along and actually found the fact that I wasn't the only AFL fan in North America and there were there were not there were not a whole lot of options in terms of watching the game because it you know it kind of disappeared from espn after they began being able to expand their library of of content that they were showing so it it pretty much dissipated so how were you able to watch the watch the game or listen to the game after that the the history of that is that espn carried it um until until 1980 through 1985 uh and when the merger with uh, Capital Cities ABC came along, and they were gobbled up, and they started to get major, major sports contracts in the United States. They dropped the sport. And it was off the air, I think, pretty much everywhere for about a year, and then an old a programming service that fed regional sports networks that were popping up on cable. Uh, the, the service was called Prime Sports, though it had no relation to any Prime Sports around today or since. But it was basically a feeder service. Okay. And they picked up the one-hour highlights program, which the AFL had launched, and uh, and fed that one you know once a week. Usually it was running uh, a week or two behind, because uh, the tapes at that point they actually put the tapes on an airplane and sent them sent them from Australia to the United States, and and so there was a long delay between 
even for the highlights. Uh, and then they carried the grand final live typically every year. Uh, it was one of the few things that, that the prime sports offered live. And, but each network kind of across the country kind of sort of take it or not take it. Okay. Um, so it was spotty. And that pretty much was the status quo right up to 1995 when, uh, uh, when the series of events happened that led to the founding of the FANA. Okay. So you've been following the game pretty much since it showed up on ESPN. And uh, can I ask who it is that you support? Well, I, yeah, you can. And, and, and the answer is I, I, uh, along the way, I became a West Coast Eagles fan. And, okay. I uh, have been ever since. Um, uh, so when they joined the AFL, I, I jumped on, on, that, on that bandwagon. But, but I don't uh, – I typically, if, if you look through, I rarely mention that online in part because it's important that a fan uh, appears um, – Neutral. In, in neutral and impartial. Makes sense, because, yeah. Because, because people tend to be very tribal about the clubs they follow. Right, right. And, uh, and, and that's really not, not helpful from our standpoint because we want to see every AFL club get exposure in North America. Exactly. And that's, that's why you know, I, I've tried to, in the short period of time that I've been doing my podcast, when I see a, a prospective fan, if you will. It almost almost sounds like the Animal House, and they're getting ready to pledge, and we've got to give them nicknames here. Um, but, uh, you know, when they say, well, you know, who should I support and such, and everybody chimes in, we'll support this team and that team. And I, I always seem to say, I can't tell you who to support, but I would recommend listening to the first episode of my podcast, which kind of explains the route that I took to get there. But I'm not going to tell you who to be a, a supporter of, because I don't think that's right for me to do that. So... Yeah, like I said, I don't think it's right for me to try to tell somebody to be a fan of the game, so um, or of, of a specific team, I should say. So I, I'm hoping that that grows organically with people, because you know I've seen a lot of people this year that have just found the game this summer, with everything that's been going on and the huge exposure that they've begun, you know, supporting clubs that you know some people might have thought, well, they wouldn't necessarily garner that type of support. Do you have a uh, do you have a favorite player? Yeah, I, think, I think that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, well, these days probably uh, uh, Nick Nat. Okay. Uh, but uh, but that's changed over the years. Obviously, absolutely players come and go. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's great to see him healthy for a season. You know. Yeah. And it's yeah. you know because you know that the the talent is there with him, but it's just been, you know, he's been snake bit injury wise. Of course, you know, the player that led me to support the club that I support hasn't been in a game since 2018. So yeah, I, I know all about that. And now it sounds like he may be moving on to another, another organization. So possibly. So you, you set, you founded a FANA and, and that's, you pronounce it that rather than AFANA, correct? We pronounce it a, a FANA and uh, that, and that's deliberate. That's okay. Very deliberate. A fan. Uh. Oh, no, that makes sense. Fan, uh, because okay. fans in the middle. Exactly. And and uh, and and the, you know the the background was that after the at the end of the 1995 season, um, Prime Sports, which was on which was in negotiations to be acquired by by Fox at that time, um, though the prospects would still take another couple of years, um, dropped. Um, Australian football coverage um, and part of the problem they said quite bluntly is didn't have any sponsors well they had one sponsor 
and it was a, an individual who, a, a guy from Adelaide who was living at that time in Chicago and would advertise to sell Australian football merchandise during the one-hour highlights program, okay. for which I'm sure he was, he, he, he was you know, as far as I can tell, was only spending about $2,000 a calendar year. But, but given that the ads probably cost 10 bucks a piece to run, you, you know, that made him a fairly prolific advertiser. I was going to say, he, not a bad investment, yeah. Uh, but, uh, he, you know, we, what we, when it was, became known that the coverage was dropped, and, and that happened through um, a Usenet group, Rec Football Australia, um, which was, you know, and Usenet chat, you know, boards right. were, were fairly, were, were exploding at that point. And a group of us on there had been talking about, about it. Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? And uh, two, uh, two other fans there, uh, uh, Richard Lip, known as Casey Swan, and uh, Wade Hinkle. Um, at some point, you know, we'd, we were even talking by phone at that point. At one point, they, they contacted me and said, you know, I think we need, we need to start lobbying in an organized way. Okay. So I kind of became like a newsletter poster, up, post updates weekly on what we knew uh-huh. out from the AFL. And, uh, and in the course of that process, they came back to me and said, you know what, let's just make this a permanent organization. And oh, by the way, we want you to run it. <laughs> My well, initial reaction was, you two are out of your bloody mind. Well, uh, you know, I I did a little bit of you know reading and some of the stuff that I that I'd found out about you. You've got a you've got a background in radio and that type of thing. So you maybe that was where they thought you know that you have a little bit. They of didn't experience. even know that at the time. Oh, they didn't know that. Okay, they just were they just were. Nowadays, I teach school. And a lot of the kids will do things when they're saying looking for volunteers. They'll touch their nose and say, "Not it." So I guess they probably did that to you then. <laughs> well, they were they were involved, and they both re, and they both to some degree remained involved for several years after. Okay. Uh, but at, you know, initially we, we we started having a series of of teleconferences and and other you know and, and exchanging a blizzard of email. And, you know, we got things, things started moving at some point, uh, you know, ESPN has started negotiating with, with the AFL, but the negotiations kind of stalled out. And we were finally able through a massive campaign of email and phone calls and faxes and whatever else we could do, basically force the two sides to get back together and negotiate. Okay. Because what we understood had happened is the AFL approached ESPN at an international television conference they did a handshake deal, and then basically ESPN went back to Connecticut and put it on the shelf. Well, okay, um, that's, <laughs> and 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 you know this this game is is and just from the scheduling standpoint, it's kind of it's it's kind of primed to to fit into a nice niche here in the U.S., especially now with you know the invention of uh, recording technology because of just the time that the games are on. Well, and at that point, we were just we were just concerned about getting a one-hour highlights program back on the ESPN. Okay, okay. You know, I mean, we, our our goals were pretty pretty modest at that point. The idea of having live coverage like we do now was a pipe dream. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the organization was eventually founded in December 1995, so we're coming up on our 25th anniversary. Um, and it's evolved over the years, but but we've always been focused on a couple of things. Uh, we've been focused on the fact that we're about the fans. And alongside that, that means we're about growing the sport 
the sports fan base, um, providing you know increasingly better TV coverage and access to the game, um, you know, and just and, and and focused on that. We have never, and we had never had any intention, never now or in the past. Yeah, we never, we never got, we never got involved, nor we have any, ever had any interest in getting involved in the on-field side of, of organizing the sport. Okay. At the grassroots. Okay. You know, the USAFL came along. We left it up to them, pretty much, and we, you know, we had our lane and they had theirs, and and over the years we've had varying degrees of cooperation with them based on, you know, whatever our relative needs were, and the and relations are pretty amicable if. You know, although we don't really coordinate from a management standpoint, right, right, unless an issue comes up that we both feel we need to, we need to, um, you know, work in concert um, on. But uh, yeah, we we've been very focused on the and, and our lesson our lesson in this was taken from the fact that you know in the 1970s soccer had a brief explosion in the United States, late 70s. Yes, yes, and. Basically, it died. And, and the heart of the problem was that they had a great product and no fans to, to, to uh, pay to support that product. And we looked at it and said, well, if Australian football ever gets to become a, a widely recognized sport in the United States, we don't want that to happen. So we, we, we set about from the beginning saying we have to build build you know, the fan side of the sport, you know, yes, playing on the field and what the USA, USA AFL does is very important. How many, how many people who watch NFL football on a Sunday ever played professional football? Right, right. You know, from a rating standpoint, they're insignificant. They just don't matter. What matters is that millions of people who enjoy the sport, enjoy watching the sport. And, and I think likewise, we kind of looked at that and said what we're going to do. So we actually set out our, our first business plan was a 30-year plan Wow! to bring the sport in three decades, because we estimated that's how long it would take, to the point where, you know, most sports fans in the United States would knew, knew, knew what it was. Sports writers would recognize it and be able to distinguish it from other sports and those sorts of things. And we laid out those goals, and, and I'm rather pleased to say that I think we've made, you know, I don't know if we'll make every goal that we set out 30 years ago and five years from now, but I think, but I think we've, we've, uh, you know, we've come far, far down the road and, uh, you know, to get to the point where we have virtually every game live in one fashion or another across the United States is, uh, you know, we're so far removed from, from us just wanting, you know, one hour of highlights on a 10 day delay. Yeah. And, and which, you know, if if anything good came out of this pandemic this year, I think that has helped, you know, with, with the game and, you know, with ESPN now, you know, deciding to get back involved and FS1 and FS2 getting on board and broadcasting all these games, that, that the pandemic has really helped to, you know, give starving sports fans something to watch and you know i don't know how closely you monitor things on twitter but it's been amazing seeing the number of fans that have just kind of crept out of the woodwork like what the heck is this game and it's yeah, been it's yeah, been absolutely. fun it's been absolutely. fun to watch this so i'm not i will not start the rumor that a fan of started the pandemic i will not do that in order to <laughs> to meet this goal it's not <laughs> well I, I will tell you that what happened here was 
as I pointed out to other people was, we were, we had worked for decades to position ourselves. And what the pandemic did is simply open, push the door open and accelerated the process by a few years. But we had worked for a long time. The, you know, a lot of people say, well, why wasn't it on Fox Sports 1 and 2 before? Well, first of all, the primary network for this Fox Soccer Plus. Right, right. Contractually. And Fox Sports 2 and Fox Sports 1 were simply fallbacks. And what, in re, you know, we managed a few years ago to get to convince Fox that it was worth worth it to put one or two live games on a week on on Fox Sports 2. Well, that's how um, I discovered that's how I discovered it. Yeah. So yeah. so it so that you know and, and we work and we pretty much Fox or ESPN or now Sirius XM or you know I I'm, I'm always in communication with these with these people and we try to communicate directly to the programming departments because in, in general um, we found that the that the the people who really know what's going to air and when it's going to air are the programming department. It's not the PR department. It's not right, the, right. You know, it's not their media shills or anybody else. It's it's the and 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 also, you know, they've learned over the years um, at all the networks uh, because we have pretty good contacts, you know, in the in the management chain at, at all of them that we're trustworthy, reliable. Um, we'll bring issues to them and we'll bring complaints when it's warranted, but we don't, we aren't going to just bug them mercilessly. And, and, and in effect, if you look around, you know, you will not find, now this season has been kind of odd, but historically, you know, Fox is willing to give us two, two or three months worth of schedule plans. Uh huh. Um, most media outlets get 10 days or two weeks. Max. Okay. Okay. And that, and that's again a reflection of the fact that they, they, uh, they, they have trust and confidences in us. And when we heard ESPN was gonna, was gonna pick up a couple games that Fox wasn't every week, um, really within hours, I had sent a message to one of the vice presidents at ESPN and said, "Okay, well, we're gonna want to make sure we get these get these on our schedules and in our in our publicity. Um, tell me who to talk to." And the individual there, I'm not going to name because it, it was, you know, conversations. Right, right. You know, it, but he basically said, you know, talk to this person. I'll send the word. And, and you know, and, and we got, and, you know, by, by Monday afternoon, because you know, this also kind of came out late in the week, late in the previous week. We had, we had schedules. We had information on what their plans were, all of that. And it was... Um, and, and, and again, that's the that's the history we've built up over the years. So we try to we we're all about trying to get that information out because uh, uh, it's the only, you know, we think it's important. If you want to build fans, you need to know when and where to find the game. Exactly. Yeah. And and I and I, you know, I watch I'll watch the Cleveland Indians from time to time on the the Fox regional sports network here, Sports Time Ohio. And uh, I can't recall ever. I cannot recall ever seeing an advertisement for. A footy game on there you know and that's and that's another that's another fox channel that you would think that they would maybe take advantage of doing that with well one of the one of the issues that the that the game faces and it will continue to face for the foreseeable immediate immediate future let's say that is that the broadcast in the united states do not have a name sponsor um uh, the 
in addition, because the ratings for overnight, principally for a lot of the overnight broadcasting, if it's even rated at all, and, and, off, and Nielsen typically doesn't rate anything after 1 a.m. before 6 a.m. Eastern, okay. or the, and the comparable time slots on the West Coast, um, because there's really no ratings it, it, except for the games that are very early or run into the morning, it is difficult to sell advertisers on spots on getting behind a sport when even you know when it's hard to tell them how many people that are, are watching well and also um, and also the fact that if people are not watching the games live and they're they're you know they're recording the game they're fast forwarding through the commercials yeah so it's so so that you know fans because that's been a bugaboo and it, you know for a long time so why can't you get games on espn and fox sports one and etc cetera, et cetera. and so the answer is very simple they have better rated and better sponsored programs for those slots. And while as a footy fan, I think it's the greatest sport on earth, it is a mistake to assume that the programming directors at any major sports network think that way. They may like it. They That's may think it's a great, a great visual product. Great point. But where are the sponsors? And that's great the point. one thing we've harped with the AFL for years is, until you get a major sponsor behind it, you know, you can't do much. So I told a fan about 10 years ago, I think, at least, somebody said, why don't you just go to ESPN and, and, and talk to them? And I said, look, if I had a sponsor in my back pocket, I could get a meeting in Bristol tomorrow. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense because it's, uh, it is, it's, all about, it's all about the money. You know, and if, like you said, that, you know, FS1, FS2 – is going to get better ratings, you know, showing, um, you know, a six-year-old boxing match or guys playing poker. You know, yeah, I mean, they, if, if the ratings are the same, why should they bother doing, you know, going to the trouble of doing something else? What the pandemic did for us, though, was because we'd worked hard and positioned ourselves right. When the FL resumed, we were positioned perfectly so that absent, you know, a lot of other competing sports for us to get, you know, for Fox to move that coverage off, the live coverage off Fox Soccer Plus onto Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2 and, and take advantage of the situation. Now, I can't predict what they'll do next season. What I can say is that I believe, you know, we've landed on the beach. Good way, and, good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. As a, as, a, as a social studies teacher, I get what you mean there. <laughs> yeah, so, so we... So, so email with, with Fox and with ESPN and get some feedback of how they felt things went and what they think their view of the future, future is. Um, how much of that I'll be able to put out publicly, I don't know. You never know because sometimes they'll tell me things off the record. But, but, I, think, but I think in general I'm good, I will communicate with them about that. Okay. Hopefully it's established enough of a presence and audience that – you know, next season will come around, and we'll ha we'll continue to have at least some games on on Fox Sports One, One, and and uh, and ESPN will want to continue. Right, and and the 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 rub there would be with the with the Fox Soccer Channel if they're still airing the games there. I mean that that's an additional pay service that they have right there. So, you know, Fox is not going to you know if people are seeking out the footy games. You know, if they can get them to pay for that service, then they, they may be bringing in more money with that than they would be 
through advertising. So they be, might be reluctant to take games off of that. Well, what they've done this year is they put all the repeats on on Fox Soccer Plus. Okay. And I think and and I think this kind of model is what I like to see going forward. It's just the question is going to be when they have the have a, a normal complement of all the U.S. sports in front of them next March. What are they going to do? Yes, that, and that's I think we're I think we're all holding out hope for that, and that's that's why I'm. I, I, you know, there, you may see a, a big rush for people getting international memberships, which you know helps that individual person. Well, yeah, well, you know, we we you know we off you know we we do through our web. I mean, one of our primary fundraising methods, um, aside from donations from fans, because because that is is principally how we how we we pay the bills is okay. fans who who make donations to us. But the other the other principal source, uh, because web advertising isn't worth anything anymore is to uh, uh you know is is for fans if they subscribe to watch afl through the links on our website okay you know that gets us a commission and and that and that money is actually very very important you were talking about uh, people subscribing to the watch afl app through yeah, a fan yeah. i mean they do that through our website it generates a commission to for us and that revenue is kind of important because because the operational costs of the website are really are really significant and uh and we need, uh, you know, that that's kind of how we, we, you know, that and donations from fans are how we pay the bills. I mean, a fan is not a hugely expensive organization to operate because most of the, most of our people are volunteers. But we do a lot of things. I mean, besides the TV schedules, you know, we have uh, media credentialed, AFL media credentialed staff in Australia who in normal years would have, we would have reporters and photographers at several AFL games each week. Okay. They file that, you know, file that content on our website, um, and you know the articles are, you know, are all those are all original content, um, you know, and they and they have AFL credentials. I mean, they get you know they can attend press conferences. They do all the things that they can do, but they're volunteers. Um, now, are you know, are these? I really are, wish I could pay them, but are these people who are are actual journalists who are working say with their company in Australia but then in addition to that they're they're also filing stories or filing copy with Afana as well or are they doing that exclusively no these are typically what we do is we recruit someone who'd like to get into sports journalism okay um, is a good writer because uh, we've typically always had on our US staff a professional editor most of the time and we're looking for a new editor now, but I mean, we, typically we have we have people, professional journalists here, who will do the editing and copy editing and those sorts of things. But they're 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 volunteers. Most of them all have day jobs, um, and they may range anywhere from from their early twenties to their to their forties or fifties. But uh, uh, you know, but they did they have press passes and all the things they need to do their job and. Uh, and the AFL has, over the years, been very supportive of of us getting that because for many, many years we were the only non-Australian media present at AFL matches. Oh, well, that's 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 good to know. I mean, that that at least you know helps to demonstrate that there's an interest here that uh, that you know with what you're doing with with bringing those uh those writers and and reporters into the uh the press conference and such now do you get feedback from the afl itself i mean do you have do you have contacts within the organization that you 
reach yeah, out to? Yeah, we do. Okay. We do. Um, you know, most of the most of the time we're dealing with the with the broadcasting and commercial operations folks um, because we don't have obviously have little need to to directly you know interface the football side of the of correct the, uh, right right operations. But yeah, we've had a long you know we've had a long ongoing relationship um, with with the and with the AFL media office so that uh, you know typically we can take you know we can we can uh, bring issues to their attention. Now now it doesn't mean to do anything about it, but at least we have a we have an avenue, and that's one of the things we've also done over the years is we try to be advocates for fans. Uh, sometimes it's successful, uh, sometimes it's not, but. You know, we're, we have we have an opportunity to do what an, or, an ordinary fan. You can go on to Twitter and you can complain. Right, right. Um, um, my guess is nobody's paying attention. That's um, that's that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, but if I need to get a message to, you know, to the programming department at Fox, or I need to send a message to the media office at the AFL, I have direct contacts there. I can I can do that. Uh, and uh, and we've we've worked hard over the years to uh, you know to you know to to build those that history up so that uh, you know this season because there's been the media restricted even in Australia to attend matches right has right been, been severe we haven't been able to get our staff into games down there very much okay. this season because because there just there just aren't any you know there aren't any slots in the media boxes you know they have after the AFL you know brings in the, the Australian TV and press and media. They're just, you know, with the distancing and everything else required, there's no place to sit. Yeah, well, that 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 makes sense. And it's, you know, and they, and it's it's definitely, it's, it's the, you know, quote, their game. So they're going to definitely give their, you know, the reporters that are their priority, you know, that are reporting to their uh, their agencies. So it's, but it's great that they've, uh, that they've been able to, to accommodate you and that you've got that, that wonderful relationship there. But, you know, you know, about 60% of the people who listen to the podcast are, are in Australia. So what do you think that the average Australian footy fan should know about a fana? Uh, they should know that, that we're one of the longest um, continuously operational fan oriented sports organizations in the world now. And that we are, actively trying to market and promote the sport here what we don't have and what australians can help us with is either by donating to support what we do or by uh you know you know providing uh you know providing way you know push to the afl to to make a marketing commitment here because i can tell you exactly what the afl's marketing budget in north america is I'm gonna guess it's probably not much, maybe five bucks. Zero. Uh, that was close. <laughs> yeah, you were yeah. real close. Yep. And and until that changes, it's gonna be hard for us to do what we can do. Because I've told the AFL many times over the years, you know, you do not have to commit a million dollars or something a you know a year to the market here. What you, but if you committed even a few tens of thousands of dollars to this market every year, mm -hmm. or even in, you know, in my wildest dream, a, a half, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you would have, you could have a tremendous impact. Um, I would like to be in a position where, you know, I could get on a plane, fly to Bristol or New York city or whatever, and, 
or at Los Angeles and sit down in front of the the, the folks at, you know, at those organizations, ESPN, Fox, or other US media and say, we have a great product here. You know, we can, we can, you know, we can provide you expertise and support. And we, you know, and we'd like to get this exposed, you know, better exposure on your websites in your, you know, we'd like to have more, you know, more clips of AFL matches in your sport, in sports center and all those right. sorts of things. But without a marketing budget and, and sponsors and support, we're we're simply waiting for something to happen organically and right, it will right. probably eventually but do, do you do you think that uh and i kind of lost my train of thought here do you think that the uh that the game would be served if they were able to to you know, regenerate that that one hour highlights program and it could even be you know, like a once a week thing on a uh, on a Tuesday night after you know that round has been played to spark interest, if they could get it into a, like a prime time hour or something like that, it it might. I mean, but what what we'd like to see at some point is we'd like to see, um, you know, something along the lines of, you know, an AFL, an AFL, uh, you know, thirty minute AFL show produced in North America mm-hmm. um, with a mixture of, of, of American, Canadian, and Australian, you know, guests and hosts. And we think that something in that vein, you know, not only just talk about, you know, the matches that have been played, the latest, you know, news and right, whether it's right. trades or injury, you know, that sort of thing. But I think if you, if you think about it is, you know, it's, if I was if I was in another if I was pushing an American sport in a nut in in a uh, in another country, particularly a non-English speaking country, I'm gonna I want to hear voices I understand that have my accent that sound like me. It isn't it, and this is no disrespect to, to the Aussies, and we would certainly want Aussies to be involved. But I think ultimately, to sell the sport to Americans, it has to be sold by Americans to them. Yeah, and that that makes a good point. That's a great point. I and I've I've been able to kind of tune into every accent that I hear on television except for one. I have one vo- one person's voice that I still have a hard time deciphering what he's saying, and that's Gary Lyons. I just really struggle with picking up his accent. It just yeah, yeah, yeah he's not particularly easy to understand. He, he's he's okay, I'm glad I'm glad I'm not alone on that because he's really tough to figure out, and I and he's got great insight, and I really want to understand him. Yeah, so you know, you you say you got you got this great relationship with these uh, with the networks, and and to me that's fantastic. Have they ever brought up the the uh, the idea that when they're when they're playing footy on FS1, FS2, and they either the game gets over, it ends, or it's getting ready to start, there's like a 20 minute highlight clip of rugby with techno music in it that they play. You know, it's a completely different game, and it, and I and I think you know, having watched that, it might throw some fans off and get them thinking, well, maybe this is rugby that we're watching. The the chronic problem with the telecast has been for a long time that Fox will cut off the live feed prematurely. Um, sometimes as soon as the final bounce, sometimes in the interviews, sometimes they'll cut it off before you see the song in the locker room. Right. Right. And, and this is an issue we've taken to all kinds of levels at the AFL and Fox. 
multiple times over over the over the years without much success it may get better for a, for a week or two and then it's right back again and and i have a variety of theories about what's driving it though i often wonder if some of it is simply they're incurring a cost with that live fiber optic feed to get the signal over and that and somebody on one side one end or the other is simply pressing disconnect well that makes sense or are are they staying are they trying to stay within the the blocks of time that they have set aside for some of that pre-recorded programming well i think i think a lot of times it is they 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 you know you always have an issue with a live broadcast that it will underrun or overrun the time slot it's given right right and 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 i think that's always an issue um but i think that that's something that you know comes with the territory if you're showing live sports mm -hmm. you have to do it and we as we pointed out to the afl more than one time for some reason the nrl doesn't seem to have this problem so well let's let's be honest and our nrl players look much more imposing than footy players so i mean i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do anything to upset a rugby player I know but, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, didn't mean to add too much levity there. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so, you know, so the, uh, you know, so, so, you know, we know we're aware of a lot of those issues. One of the things we always have to caution fans is that, you know, we have leverage, but only to a point. Right. And that, you know, we had a fan who got very upset with us early in the year because he was complaining about this very issue. And, and on Twitter, and I basically said, you know, you need to step back, give us a couple of days, you know, to, to, to talk to people, you know, and we can't promise any results, but we'll do it. But it was Saturday and he didn't want to wait. He wanted something, he wanted it fixed now. Well, you know. There's nothing it, to fix on the weekend. It's, it's, there are situations where in an emergency, I could find a way to get to, somebody at fox to say something has gone sideways okay but this this isn't an emergency that isn't an emergency it's simply what i think is a bad practice of cutting off the feed prematurely it doesn't you know it, it's it's not gonna it's not it doesn't rise to the situation like you're in the middle of the grand final and the signal suddenly dies yeah that's a disaster similar to i don't know if you caught the footage at the end of the uh, that was on twitter at the end of the cat swans game where uh Mr. Enright's uh, daughter, I believe it was, turned off the uh, the television. Did yes, you, that yes. was that was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Just watching the reaction of the kids, like, wait a minute, what happened here? That yeah. was yeah, no. I, so so we, you know we we also understand the lots changed, I and mean, when we started a fan, um, we there was a point in time where we staged a telephone and fax campaign email campaign against ESPN so bad that we basically shut their switchboard down for a day. Wow. Now, you know, you could do that in the mid nineties. Um, we had, we, I had an ESPN vice president once call me, call me at nine o'clock in the morning and launch into a 10 minute tirade about how fans were clogging his email with complaints and make it stop. And my, you know, and my reaction to him was, well, the internet's a two-way street. You know, yeah, if you start talk. If you if you if you gave us information, start talking to us, we can impact this. If you refuse to acknowledge us, well, that happens. Now, 
fast forward to 2020, these media organizations are far more savvy than they were 25 years ago. Um, boycotts, fan campaigns, things like that, have a much have a there. much higher bar to reach now, 20 in 2020, before you're going to get somebody in management at a at a major sports or media organization to pay any attention. That makes sense, and and although there's also the flip side of that though is that if if you can get enough people riled up about something that that the social media that's out there can can you know cause something to trend which can negatively impact you know somebody whether it whether it's you know ESPN or Fox or or you know the company that makes you know Cheerios or whatever the case may be that can impact that company almost instantaneously so you know, you know so I think in in some cases and that you know that yeah. well there's and, that threshold that, that's they... yeah yeah that that's that's true you know that that that's true and and you know but we also have to understand that you know if you're I, you know, I, I've witnessed the amount of abuse we've gotten for various things that over the years at different times when we posted things fans didn't like or didn't want to hear. Um, I've witnessed, you know, a recent episode involving another organization, you know, in, in, involved in footy and, and, you know, and, and, and those sorts of things. People, people are also less restrained um, because we always emphasized even back in the 90s that your messages need to be polite, respectful, you know, don't use curse words, don't make it personal, you know, those sorts of things. But that's really, it's a really tough road to hoe these days um, because people feel very unrestrained. Uh, so, so we in general have moved away from, except in very unusual circumstances, pushing mass fan action as a way to move the AFL or Fox or ESPN or anyone else just right. because we think that, you know, the right way for it to work. Yeah, you think it's and, not the right uh, way. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. And, and we just don't see that very often. Yeah, and, and it, of course, that, that old adage about, you know, honey and vinegar, you know, even though the honey may not do anything, in the long run, it's probably still the better direction to go. Uh, now, I, what kind of you know web traffic do you get? You know, without getting into numbers, I mean, are you getting you know huge amounts of, of footy fans here in the U.S. that are checking out the the website that are interacting with your with your organization? We've seen we've seen a significant jump in web traffic this year. Okay, um, and you know we're we're seeing you know and and, and because we all. Like for example, if you, it, it's and it's difficult to gauge all the different tools because you have to kind of look at look at them in total. But you know, we have the direct traffic. People come to our website to see this, to look at the TV schedules. But we also make those schedules available on Google Calendar. Uh, so a lot of people just you know just subscribe and and it, and when those are updated, their phone phone or mobile device or, or or even desktop you know picks up the updated you know schedule change and all of that. Right, right. We see a lot of that traffic. We've seen a lot of traffic this year uh, on some of our feature articles. So, you know, and we've in general seen that over, over the 25 years, because we, we had our first web page up in 1996. Um, 
you can still find you can still find one some of the early ones uh, out on the Internet Archive uh, if if people want to go look and see what they can find their, they can find uh, old like cached pages out on the Internet Archive if they wanted to. Um, yeah, I mean, if you okay. want to see what our webpage looked like in 1997, it's it's a, it's a, you know the, uh, well, the Internet Archive has has it has has some of that stuff saved. But what I'm going to say, what I was saying is, over those over these decades, we've seen a pretty much a steady year over year growth in web traffic. Um, so that you know numbers this year were were particularly in the March April time frame. We saw a massive peak uh, because typically it's it's kind of we have a we have a peak in the spring and then of course and it slows down a little bit in June and July and then we have a big peak in late September. Well, this year it's going to be October, late October, but right, right. But but, but uh, yeah, when we we've seen we've seen the traffic increase, we've seen the increase of traffic on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so there's no doubt that we brought on board a lot of new fans this year and that that's and, fan, that's fantastic and i i'm 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 thrilled because it's you know and i and i love you know seeing the stuff that you guys have on your site and reading the things that are on your site and and recommending it um you know because it it's you have a a a vast amount of information that's there and you guys know this game better than just about anybody else in this country you know, and we've had a, we have a great writing staff too. I mean, because I think a lot of people, because I'm the kind of face in the organization, you know, nominally, you know, our president Pat Kelly is you know is in charge of day-to-day -day operations, but we have writers in you know a couple cities in the United States. We have a staff down in Australia. Um, you know, we have specialized staff who help help you know me with you know TV schedules and radio schedules and those right, sorts of right. things. Uh, because, for example, another thing we do that a lot of people don't even realize is if you want to bypass the AFL website to listen to the audio of, um, of footy matches, we have, we have audio players for, 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 the, for that specific purpose uh, linked off our uh, AFL radio page. Oh, I, didn't even, uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, so that you can, you know, you can either get the direct link and plug it into your, you know, your uh, uh, phone or phone or other device, or you can click and we've got a HLS compatible um, player who will, which will, which if a mat, if, if there's actually a match feed for that station going on at that time, it'll pick it up and uh, and you can and you can and you can listen to it. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So. Yeah, there's a lot of plus all our pages on what's what footy's about, right? Introduction right. to footy, uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. So, in the great grand scheme of things, you know, if you if you boil it all down, over overall, I think it's safe to say that you're you're happy with where Afana is. You're happy at the moment where the game is going into the future. I would say I'm comfortable with where it is. Okay. Okay. Um, there's always more to do, right? Um, right. You know, I, 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 uh, when I, I remember telling some, you know, doing some radio interviews in Australia, you know, a long, long time ago, and you know, one of the things I pointed out repeatedly was that, you know, the if the AFL had a one percent share of the sports market in the United States, 
Yeah, one percent. They had one percent of the U.S. sports market, just because it's an easy figure to work with. That revenue would exceed their Australian revenue. So, do, do you think that once the once the league stabilizes after the, you know the, the financial beating that it's taken this year, and you know they've taken out the loans to to keep the season going, do you think once they've uh, that they've begun to stabilize a little bit, that they might recognize that and and realize that this is a, this is you know, it's a tapped resource, but it's not, you know, or a tapped area for revenue and that type of thing, but it's not tapped as efficiently as it could be. Well, I think they're, they're, they're way short of, of tapping their potential here. But again, it comes back to, you know, are you willing to commit some marketing and resources to this? You know, do, is it something you, you know, you have a commitment at the AFL at the highest levels to do? Um, I've, you know, in 25 years, I've never seen that. Um, maybe, you know, maybe it changes. I think there's still a perception in large parts of the Australian, uh, both in the AFL and the Australian media, that the people watching the games over here are Aussie expats. Oh. Um, and yes, Aussie expats do watch the games right, over here right. when, they, when they can. But the vast, overwhelming audience here are Americans and up north Canadians you know, you, you don't, you know, and the, and, the, and the expat audience tends to be transient. They come and go. Their future here is and always has been building fans in, in the United States and Canada because those people are going to be your fans for a lifetime. And, uh, and, that's, and you know, that's where the financial potential is. That's where the other things are. You know, I, you know people say, well, can we, can we get an AFL match here? I would love to see that with a couple prov provisos. One is it has to be, it can't be announced two months beforehand. It has to be a commitment the AFL makes yes. 10 months to a year in advance. Right, because they, they mentioned uh, the possibility of what the Giants and the Bombers come in here next year. But, they, you know, there's, there's no firm commitment for that. Okay. You know, they need a firm commitment. They need a marketing plan. They need to put in a place where more than a couple thousand people can see it. I was going to say they need a place to play. <laughs> uh, and they need, and they need, and they need a commitment from Fox or ESPN to televise it live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's just the beginning. There's a whole list. Most recently, and, and, in yeah, 2006, they, I think. Well, they need, yeah, they, as you were saying, they needed Fox and ESPN to televise it live because one, one of the, and this is, and this is like a small pet peeve that I have, and I, I don't watch ESPN too terribly often, but whenever they talk about footy. They seem, you know, the, the the guys who are on regularly on Sports Center, they almost seem to mock the game, and make fun of it, and it's just, you know, they don't give it the credit that I think it deserves, and that just really grinds my gears. And I think, and I think that's a that's a lack that's a lack of respect and recognition of it as a sport. It's also a reflection of their ignorance and understanding of the sport, um, you know, and and. Uh, you know, over the years, there there have been some media people over the years who have reached out to us and said, you know, get me up to speed on this. But by and large, a lot of times, you don't you don't get that. And and yeah, you're right. It's there's a, there tends to be a, a condescending or mocking attitude. It is, or they or the only thing they want to show is this clip of a uh, spectacular collision between two players. Right. Right. Um, and I often have to, you know, a lot of times you get fans saying, well, this, you know, you know, 
these these guys are nuts. They must you know they must all have you know have concussions every day and and you know broken bones and everything else. And I point out to them that you know if all you saw was a bunch of YouTube clips, you might come to the conclusion this is the most violent sport on the planet. Right. You'd also be completely wrong. Yeah, I mean there are violent components to it, most certainly. But it's it's it you know when it's free flowing, it's uh, you know it's uh, it can be like soccer on on roller skates. Yeah, it's you spectacular. Know. Yeah, and and uh, and you ask about see, uh, yes you you ask about seeing games. I have been to Australia uh, multiple times, and I have I have been to AFL matches. Um, uh, and uh, had the great fortune back in 1999 of actually attending a grand final in wow. person. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know who won the 99 grand final, so I... Uh... Uh, well, it was, uh, it, it was, it was um, nor- if I recall, it was North Melbourne defeated Car- Carlton. Okay. Okay. That's... Uh... So, what for you know for American fans who are watching you know who are watching the game? Now you were at the MCG for that, of course. But what's the what's the experience like in in a in a setting like that? I mean, it, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you you live in Columbus, Ohio. You might have been to an Ohio State game, so comparable, you know, number well, of people in the stands. But yeah, but the different the difference at the MCG is because the field is so large. Um, the stadium, it's difficult to appreciate the size of the interior of that stadium. Um, you know, the, the, the MCG is, you you dropped there when you said it's difficult to appreciate the the size of the the sheer size of the, um, you know, and in general, you know, full size cricket stadiums tend to be very, very large. Right. Right. And footy right along with it so so there you know it was um but it but it as an experience it was unique um you know i think fans were every bit as passionate as you'd you'd ex- you'd expect it they would be uh you know an american sports venue it's just um it yeah i, I think the first impression i have first time i ever walked walked into the mcg and it was you know not in, during a game um I was taken over there to give it to get a, to get a tour, and to and to meet uh, some AFL people, and I remember walking in there and going, "This place is absolutely massive." Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I I you know and, and you know some of the message boards from some of the different teams online where where fans who are in the stands will post photographs from their vantage point at the game. And mm-hmm. I and I tr- I truly appreciate that because it gives you a a whole different scope of what the grounds look like from what you see from that overhead camera during the course of the game. You get to see you know you can see from you know down at one of the wings just how much it it opens up and and I get the dimensions I I, you know, I I know how big it is but you know just actually seeing it in person you know and I, I said I, I teach school and you know I'll, I'll I've shown my kids the what it, what is AFL. Um, video that's on youtube and you know they'll come into class in the morning and there's usually a game on the television in my room or you know uh afl 360 is wrapping up because i've got it on in the morning when i get to my classroom so i've got some kids who have begun getting interested in the game you know the principal at my school has become a huge fan of the game over the last couple of years so 
I've, I've, I brought one on board, so I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, but it's a, uh, it's, it is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful game to watch. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful game to watch. And I, uh, you know, I was, I was wondering, you know, since you've been to a grand final, if you, if you had the opportunity to, uh, to book the musical act at a grand final, who would you book? Ooh, I have no idea. That would take me up. I'd have to really think about that long and hard. I know it would not be. Um, I know it wouldn't be meatloaf. Uh, I think that's a fair bet. Um, <laughs> it. Um, I've seen some real horrible acts, at, and and not just at the grand final, but you know, Super Bowl and other stuff. Right. But right. I. But I. Uh, it seems to be this thing about about big events that they have to have overproduced, um, you know, events and 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 their 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 spectacles sometimes good sometimes bad but I, but it but if you asked the, the me from say 15 years ago i'd have probably said if it was an australian act it would have been cold chisel okay um but i don't know who i'd pick today haven't really thought about that um so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take a pass on the question not because i don't want to answer it because okay. i really have no idea okay now you you know, I, I did a little bit of you know reading, on, and I I saw on online that you're you are a retired aerospace engineer. Yes, is that correct? So that is correct. It's uh, I mean that has to be that has to be a fascinating career in and of itself. I I, I served when I was in the Navy. I served in a couple different aviation squadrons. So I, you know, I I are there are there programs that you're allowed to talk about that you were involved in, or is that all well, hush hush? Or? The, yeah. Well, I spent the. Well, well, yeah, at different times I did have secret clearances and things for various projects, but I spent the bulk of my career working on um, on the uh, space shuttle program. Wow. Um, and I also worked on some military aircraft, including the B-1 bomber and okay. and some others. And, and um, you just you dropped out right yeah, after spent, you dropped out right um, after you said B-1 bomber on the space shuttle. Okay. Yeah, you dropped out right after the B-1 yeah, bomber. And, and, and some other military programs I can't talk about. Okay, no, I, I'm not. I'm not prying. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, no, no. I certainly it's get fine. it. It's yep. fine. But that that had to be fascinating work to to be able to uh, to to be able to look at things that you see in the news or you watch a shuttle launch and you you go, I had something to do with that. It, I mean, it that's, is. It is a very yeah. It's it's a very um, um, satisfying feeling when something you've worked on. Um, flies and, and, and works. Um, you know, my, I did a lot of different things in my aerospace career, but, but I, but I have to say that, um, you know, I found, I found the people I work with to be a, a incredibly talented group of people who work very hard. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I don't, you know, after retirement, I can tell you, I, um, I didn't miss the hours in the long and the, and the long days. Um, I didn't, I didn't miss, I don't miss a lot of other things. I miss the people I work with and the challenge of get coming in every day and, 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 you know, figuring out how to solve a problem. But yeah, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I've done that in, and in retirement, I've done a variety of other things. So, so it's been, it's, it's been good. Cause I, I, I took an early retirement. Okay. Uh, and you've got one heck of a hobby that you're doing here with, uh, with a fana as well. I mean, that's you know that that is a it is a labor of love for you. I think I can say. It it has been, um, 
in, you know, and I and I and I and I'm not I don't do near as much as I did probably 10, 15 years ago in that, you know, I've gradually handed more and more pieces off to other people. Mm hmm. OK, well, half is a great group of 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 fans and they do great work. Yeah. So if uh, if a fan wants to, to to find your website, where would they where would they go about doing that? Okay. Uh, fana.com. Okay, afana.com. A-F-A-N-A.com. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you for the, this last hour. I, I want to thank my guest, uh, Rob DeSantis, for coming on the podcast. This has been very insightful. I, I had, honestly, I had no idea just how involved you were, you know, I in terms of you know, trying to get this game on television here much more widespread. I mean, it, it's impressive that that you have, you know, those connections to, to, to try to bring this game to, to fans here, to get them exposed to it. So it's very, you know, it's it's wonderful that you and your, your organization are putting forth the effort to do that sort of thing because, you know, we, we're thankful for it because, you know, we're getting to enjoy this fantastic game as a result of, of your effort. So thank you very much for that, sir. Well, and thank you for having me on, and I hope that uh, uh, your listeners will gain a little more insight into in, in, into into the uh, you know the, the the footy world here and uh, and there I'm sorry we're, we're at a we're at a crossroads we've we've come a long way okay a long way and I think the the, the future is promising okay before I let you go I do want to ask you who do you have playing in the grand final um I'm gonna I'm gonna say Port Adelaide and, and Richmond okay but I think, but I think yeah, um, I think Port Adelaide and Richmond will, are probably the favorites from my standpoint. Okay. But there's at least three other teams that I think have a shot if they, uh, if, if things go their way. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's going to be a great finals. Uh, it was great that they, you know, eight out of the nine games in the last round actually had an impact on the finals. So, I thought that was that was great planning, if you will on behalf of the, of the AFL getting that schedule set up. So, again, thank you very much, sir, for coming on. I appreciate it. Okay, thank, thank you, Craig, and, uh, and uh, hope, you're, hope you're li- your uh, listeners um, enjoy the footy the rest of the way. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank Rob DeSantos of AFANA.com, or AFANA, for being my guest in Episode 50. This was truly an enjoyable interview. One cannot des- deny... Mr. DeSanto's passion for the game, and you can't deny his passion for the work and effort that he's put forth in the last couple of decades to bring this wonderful game of footy to as many of us here in North America. His work is integral in allowing so many of us to see this wonderful game and be exposed to it and to become fans and to work towards bringing more and more footy to us here in the States on as widespread a basis as possible. So a big hat tip to Mr. DeSantis and the other people from Afana for doing that very thing. Now, if you're a footy fan here in the United States, um, just wanted to let you know that uh, Afana, as he had mentioned, they do take donations to help defray their operating costs. So there is a link on their website, which I will put in the show notes if you are interested in, uh, in putting forth a donation to them. I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, as the first round of finals begins here in a couple of days, I'm hoping to hear from some of you about your thoughts about finals footy. 
My hope is that uh, some of you will take a moment and consider taking a moment or two and create an audio file that you'll send to me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com or as a DM to yank underscore on. I'm hoping to hear from some of the listeners of the podcast about their greatest finals memories. Maybe it was sitting around the television with family members watching your first finals that you remember. Maybe it was your team winning the finals for the first time in your lifetime. I would love to hear your story, all right? I would also love to use those clips in an upcoming episode as we roll into these finals here. So as we're going through the finals and I'm giving you my my tips for the finals games as we go along here over the next few weeks, I'd like to sprinkle some of these audio files in as we go along. So I would love to hear from you. I think I've had one so far that was sent to me. So, again, if you'd like to DM me on Twitter, you can do it at yank underscore on, or you can reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Again, like I said, one of these, uh, the goals that I have with the podcast is to learn more about the history of the game, and your stories will most certainly do that. Please make sure that you include your name, and it could be just your first name, where you're from, and which club you support. Again, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. I would truly appreciate it. And I know that fans here in the States and even fans around Australia and around the world would love to hear your story. So, ladies and gents, don't forget, if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list where you get the podcast sent to you as medi- immediately as it comes out, uh, there's a link for that in the show notes. I'd love to have you sign up. I've now close to two dozen people who have signed up for that. So it's creeping up there slowly but surely. Also, if you have an idea for a show topic or someone that you know, or maybe it's even yourself that you think would be a great guest on the show as I'm going to be working towards more interviews. Once the season winds down, feel free to free to drop me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email at yankonthefootygmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I will reach out back to you and get in touch with you. I have several irons in the fire with regards to interviews that I'm looking forward to doing. I just received an email today uh, from somebody who's a long time Port Adelaide fan who wants to uh, come on, and I'm looking forward to setting up a time to talk with him. And don't forget, ladies and gents, that while you can find all the episodes of this podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com, you can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. We're now also on Amazon Music as well, so if you happen to have Amazon Music, you can find my podcast there as well. Now that you've listened, I would hope that you'd consider giving a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's me know what I need to work on what I'm doing well, and lets the podcast host know what you think of the show. And it might move me up the charts a little bit and make mine a little bit easier to find for more people to listen to. And don't forget that you can reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com and on Twitter at yank underscore on, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. I'd also like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of a couple pieces of his great music. I'm using uh, the pieces, episode, excuse me, Elevation and Backplate. And Mr. McDade's created some fantastic music. You can find his work at josephmcdade.com slash music. He is also on Spotify. I would imagine he's probably on Apple Music as well as Amazon Music as well. I don't have either of those services, so I can't check that. Mr. McDade, again, thanks very much for your hard work and your wonderful music. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening because while we're fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of the game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. And for those of you who are... Here in the U.S., three of the four first-round final games will be on free television here in the U.S. They're going to all be on FS2, 
The only game that's not going to be aired locally is the, or in the States, I should say. It's going to be on Fox Soccer Plus. If you happen to have that, you can still watch it. But the only one of the four that's not being broadcast here on free television is Brisbane and Richmond. Okay? And remember, don't forget that Australian rules football, it's why they invented the DVR. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for listening. I ask that you consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode 50 of A Yank on the Footy, my interview with Afana.com founder, Rob DeSantis. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at ayankonthefooty. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening, and please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. I will be back in a couple of days with my opening round of the finals tips. Looking forward to getting that to you. Goodbye.